Welcome to More to Come, PW Comic World's weekly podcast on graphic novel and comics publishing, recorded at the PW offices in New York City. I'm Calvin Reed, Senior News Editor of Publishers Weekly and co-editor of PW Comics World. Check us out online at publishersweekly.com slash comics. And I'm Heidi McDonald. I am the Graphic Novels Review Editor at Publishers Weekly, as well as the Editor-in-Chief of The Beat at comicsbeat.com. And you can follow along with all the fun on Twitter at PW Comics World. And I'm Kate Fitzsimmons. I'm the podcast producer. And you can find us online on Tumblr at pwcomicsworld.tumblr.com. Uh, and don't forget, you can subscribe to more to come on iTunes and on Facebook. We're at facebook.com slash pwcomicsworld. Okay, this week on more to come. News from C2E2. That's the Chicago Comics and Entertainment Expo in Chicago, of course. And um, also look for news from the Diamond Retailer Summit held at the C2E2 this year. So let's get right to it. Our... Um, our convention correspondent back yes. from the road, Heidi McDonald. Yes. Well, um, you know, I was at uh, was off in Chicago for five days, say five days, six days, five and a half days, a long time, mm-hmm. and uh, for the retailer summit, which kicked off yeah. on mm-hmm. the, uh, Chicago for the first time in four years, and that was the last time I was there. Uh, well, for C two E two and the retailer summit. And, um, you know, a rollicking time was held by all. Uh, Marvel and DC were at it again. I, I'm sure you guys have been following along with the news that was, that was coming out of there. Those rascals. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, you know what? I, I uh, My story is up. Uh, yes. I filed it in pretty good time. Ab- absolutely, I you did. did. Not, um, I filed it Monday night, not Tuesday afternoon. Yes, absolutely. I was, really, I was so fired up by everything that happened. Uh, but you could kind of read my general overview of the show there. Uh, Diamond revealed some numbers that mm-hmm. weren't all that awesome, really, for the first yeah. quarter. It's actually kind of surprising. Yeah, yeah. But graphic um, novels down ten percent. Ten percent. Yeah. So, do, um, do we have any guesses as to why that might be? I mean, I, th- I mean, I know, I know, you mentioned in your story uh, something to the effect, and this could be true that um, 2016 was so strong, right? Uh, it's going to be hard to, I mean, it's going to be hard to map the same kind of success. In the first quarter, I mean, as everyone knows, most retailers, certainly in the in the in the traditional book market, and I think it's pretty much the same in the comic shop market. They make the vast majority of their money in the last quarter right. of the year. Right. So we'll have to wait and see how the year plays yeah, out. I, I, but after I, year after March and so many other huge huge books, I think it actually would be interesting to kind of take a look and uh, dig down on that a little bit. I, I asked some of my usual suspects. Um, what they thought about the drop, and uh, nobody had a real firm answer. Just like I guess you know, the only thing that people could suggest was that 2016 was really awesome. But uh, I would love to look at the books. I know the Killing Joke was selling very well. Yeah, but um, although it seems to always sell well. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, so I mean, for worked. instance, after Fifty Shades of Grey, I mean, most publishers, for instance, Random House reported a down years because mm-hmm. they just it was such a powerhouse seller. Right. Even if you're doing well the next year, you're not going to do as well as you did when you have a special best-selling book. No, not at all. But, uh, you know, I, I filled in for you, Calvin, and I had a little meeting with uh, Ku Yu oh, good. of yeah, Diamond yes. Books, and he showed me some little numbers that he had, uh-huh. uh, which is just that the top uh, publishers of the graphic novel through BookScan, as mm. number one is DC's, number two Scholastic followed by Marvel and Image. And, uh-huh. uh, the, you know, the talk was – Ku Yu is always very – um, positive outlook on the industry, but you know, sure. kids' graphic novels are just the ones that are, there that you are go. really coming. Um, so you know, so graphic novels now periodicals flat. Uh, but you know, I th- I feel like I mean maybe it was just hanging out with everybody, but um, just feel like some sort of Marvel crisis. <laughs> well, I mean, it seems it's a crisis yeah. that's been brewing for months now. It, it, I mean, we've been talking about that on this right. show, and I guess this well, is an effort where. Well, now they've got to start really addressing this. Well, yeah, and I feel like it may be starting to hit graphic novel sales because I've heard a lot of people who are saying I mean not just people who are like I'm going to boycott but people who are just like I'm just not feeling Marvel right I'm not feeling Marvel Mm -hmm. just don't feel like buying Marvel books right now eh right and when you get that kind of response from a significant number of your fans even if it's to back issue stuff that they normally would like sales go down yeah well you know what we're gonna we're gonna drill down accent on the drill (laughs) <laughs> uh, with Marvel a little bit, but but you know DC came primed for a bear. Uh, they saw that 
Marvel has was uh, getting dragged, as they like to say now. <laughs> blood in the water. Yeah, blood in the water. So, Chum. Uh, so, so traditionally, they changed the, the lineup of the summit a little bit this year. Usually, there are there's a breakfast, a lunch, and a dinner. And usually, Marvel and DC are the co-top liners at dinner, uh, which usually dinner is a, a lodgy, lugi, lugi affair as... People are drinking and have been talking all day, and they're not all that head up. So Marvel and DC both did their presentations earlier in the day in standalone. So and Marvel's was close to the press, whereas DC's was open. So uh, at DC's, we were treated to Dan DiDio and Jim Lee in full-on panel mm-hmm. mode, uh, and uh, DiDio came out and had a bunch of slides, including slides from the beat, which is proclaiming the death of the industry and then he followed that up with with a cover of the comics journal from 1982 talking about the death of the industry <laughs> you know you know what dad point taken point yeah, taken so, so and, and then he had more charts and graphs showing like like he was just out there and, and you know again some of them you know well, those two work the crowd pretty good i well, have to admit. I don't, well i don't know i feel like dan didio is probably enjoying being the more popular man for, yeah, oh, for, a change. for once, you think? I mean, for a change. well, then at one point he even said we need to diversify. So, oh. you know, so so he was there to reveal a new initiative called Dark Matter, hmm. which is hmm. uh, aimed at uh, introducing new characters into the DCU. He he kept using... Are they part of the regular DCU or are they yes, like a separate thing? Yes, they are part of the regular DCU. He kept using um, The New Gods by Jack Kirby as a kind of a example of something that, uh, well, I mean, it, it failed miserably at the newsstand, so that's a really great example, Dan. Curious. But, yeah. but it still introduced a lot of great characters. So he, I guess his point was even if a book fails, they have to try it because you've got to bring new characters yeah. into bear. So uh, so that was a good point. But then uh, they also brought out four artists, uh, including Jim Lee, and mm. then they brought out J.R. Jr., John Romita Jr., Greg Capullo, and uh, Andy Kubert. So there's, you know, kind mm-hmm. of the ultimate star superstar lineup right mm-hmm. there, talking about how important artists, artists are, are to eh? books. Now, where <laughs> have we heard that before? Um, now, I was told that this whole initiative was planned months ago, before Marvel's comments about how artists mm-hmm. don't move the needle came out. But, I mean, it was clearly a shot across yeah. the bar. Yeah, I mean, it may have originally been just like, oh, hey, we'll bring these artists on. And then after that, they were like, okay, this is how we're going to sell it. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Blood in the water. Uh, I don't, I, you know, uh, th- there was a small press conference afterwards where they talked more about it. Um, I don't know. What did you guys, did you guys uh, look at I, the dark? I looked at them. I have to say there was yeah. only one of the related titles that really interests me. Um, which probably would have interested me without, well, would have interested me more, frankly, without the tie-in to this, whatever it is. Um, Silencer, which is a book by Dan Abnett about a female assassin who, you know, got out of the game, but now is protecting her family from her dark past. And I was like, okay, I'm sold. It's Dan Abnett. That sounds right. awesome. Um, but Well, I- and also John Romita loves drawing females, so that's great. <laughs> That's well, what he kept he saying. He can draw whatever he, he wants. I, I, I like his drawing. <laughs> yeah, um, you know, sure, if he wants to draw my half of the species, he can go right ahead. <laughs> <laughs> whatever, dude. Um, heterosexuals, they exist. It's fine. <laughs> um, but yeah, I have to say a lot of the books, like most of the books, I was just yeah. like, but why? Um, but then again, you know, maybe that's just numbers. I'm not really sure why this has to be this big link together event just to start some new books well i think it's just the idea is that it has you know by making an event and by having a big blast of a rollout like that i mean they got tons of tons of yeah publicity, and, I, you know? and and i think we talked about this on the show well that the big rollout the giant event whatever you want to call it the re alignment of the universe i think these things they they just have to do them now in the universe that we live in it seems to be to to keep people interested or so it seems because they certainly do roll them out at a a really uh stepped up pace but you know dc's really having a moment now they're enjoying it they're having some success i just finished writing a piece the book collections from rebirth are coming out now they've got they're putting big dollars and marketing efforts behind everything from um, uh, uh, a co-op ad money to run advertisements in local news theaters. They're 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 just really pulling out all the stuff. Yeah, 
because they've got the moment now. Well, so. they're, they're and they're scheduling those ads, I, I believe, to come out when the big right. action yes. and superhero movies come out, which is very yeah. smart. Well, on their actually, part. I think they're ongoing because they've started the promotions already because the books have started out in January and they will come out all the way through the summer. Yeah. So, so yeah, you know, listen. I mean, DC sales aren't exactly world shattering at this point either, but they seem to be staying the course. Mm-hmm. They're sticking with a pretty easily comprehensible. They're staying the line at two ninety nine. By the way, all the dark matter books are going to be two ninety nine, and uh, for whatever reason, they have the corporate backing to stay the course and uh, mm-hmm. look stable, which is really good because uh, then there's Marvel. So, uh, I, and I will say there was, of course, a little bit of a optics of this because they kept saying about how diversity is awesome, <laughs> and I was like, well, you know, I even said. Um, but what about the creators? Well, uh, I didn't say that, but, but I mean, it's like just having a panel that was four white men and Jim Lee talking about how important <laughs> diversity is, is not very convincing. Yeah. So, and the only, uh, let's see. But he addressed that, I would imagine, well, to some extent. Well, he, I, I asked a follow-up question mm-hmm. privately, and, uh, you know, uh, that was the answer I was given. I have it in the story. There was some, they, yeah. they said they knew it going in, and yeah. they tried. Some scheduling. They tried, but they something. didn't yeah. do it. Mm-hmm. They tried. You know, they tried. They tried. It was so they, important to try. <laughs> what do they want? One of those little things going, little badge saying, "You try." You're I a guess, participant. I guess they do. I <laughs> We're mean, a pers- participant in diversity. Yes, we just don't a have participant any participant <laughs> in diversity. Yeah. Uh, anyway. Well, anywho, so so in contrast to DC, which had like two big blowout events, mm. one right after the other, uh, Marvel, as I mentioned, their presentation was closed to the press, and <laughs> so uh, David Gabriel was basically a flyby, came in for the panel. Well, he was around. I heard, yeah. I heard of sightings, but he certainly was not hanging out at the meals. He was not making himself available, which he never does. So I'm not, yeah, you know, uh, this is nothing new. Uh, and then at the panel, uh, there was very mixed reactions for the retailers who attended. There mm-hmm. was a couple who were really gung ho, but I, I later found out that the ones who were the most gung ho, like one of them is the moderator for Marvel's retailer forum. <laughs> so, which I did not know at the time. Apparently, uh, Marvel has launched a secret retail Facebook retailer Facebook group that they don't run. They pipe in, but there's there's a couple of retailers who run it. And uh, if anybody says anything negative, the comments are removed very quickly, I hear. <laughs> so that's kind of awesome. But uh, Yes, when you could totally start your own group, you would completely belong to the one where you're not allowed to say yes, anything. Yes, that's, that's right, because you want to have... Um, and, you know, listen, I, 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 we've talked about Marvel and DC hundreds of times on this podcast, hundreds and hundreds of times. And there's some very smart people there uh, who have been very successful up to now, but suddenly they're not. And... Well, this is the cycle. I mean, it was only a few years ago when DC couldn't seem to go three feet without putting their foot in their mouth. Um, and now it's Marvel's turn, apparently. Yes, but I will tell you this. When Marvel, a year ago, launched Rebirth, or when DC launched Rebirth, everybody was like... And I talked to several retailers, and they all agreed, They all felt this way. When DC said, okay, we're doing Rebirth, everyone was like, oh, thank God, all right back to normal yeah whereas marvel's announcement of legacy okay so they are going back to legacy which is something which is legacy uh legacy numbering they're probably going to bring back all the white men i mean that's fine we all knew they were coming back anyway yeah Yeah. but nobody has the feeling except for uh the most uh partisan observers that this is great and everything's going to be awesome because that you know and uh, kate i know you didn't want to talk about secret empire but i'm i'm just you know i went to the secret empire panel because I, I just wanted to hear i mean I don't, yeah. I don't think nick spencer's stupid or crazy i don't think anybody yeah. who's working on these books is stupid or crazy but i just wanted to see how far they were going with this and um you know like a female veteran stood up and said i'm a female veteran mm-hmm. <laughs> and a lot of us look up to captain america and uh you've made it very hard for us to look up this character and you know why did you do that and uh, of course, they get a pop by saying, we salute your service. Everybody, right, right. everybody stood up and cheered, which actually was right. really awesome. But um, then they were just like, oh, we know that. And we really have taken that into account with this storyline. How? And then then somebody asked, uh, like, did you change this? Because of because this was planned in 2015, two years ago. Hmm. So did you change the storyline at all uh, based on current events? And they said, no, not really. And... 
yeah, I mean, we've sort of, you know, I didn't, I, I didn't have a problem with Cap being Hydra because that's been done before. Yeah. But when you take a year and a half of now Hydra's taken over the entire Marvel U, and you know how tone deaf is it to say they're going to send out Hydra T-shirts to retailers and Hydra takeover? Especially that? after people have made it clear how they feel about but, it. But I mean, not even that. I mean, in the real world, where where mm, uh, Jewish yeah. cemeteries are being are being yeah. vandalized and their anti-Semitism is on the rise. I mean, it's just incredibly tone deaf. And to me, in talking to people, like to retailers and to other professionals, uh, it was it was. It was very concerning that just yeah. the how tone deaf Marvel yeah. is. Well, maybe they've got a big narrative twist uh, waiting for all of us. You know, I just don't feel like any twist could possibly redeem the stupid. <laughs> I'm not saying the people are stupid. I'm seeing saying just the storyline and the whole thing is just dumb. Well, though the storyline has been leaked. I'm sure. You, have you seen the leaked mm. uh, spoilers at all? Mm. No, I haven't. I okay. have. Right. So, I mean, they are, listen, they are doubling down on this storyline. They are line. so doubling they down. They are really doubling down. They are not abandoning it. They're not changing mm. it. And it's very clever. If it was in a different world, at a different time, in a different place, I, you know, if this was done 20 years ago, everyone would think this was awesome. But, I don't think so. But, well, I think they would because readers are very different then. And if you notice, there's a huge, this is, so I did have a talk. Here's a, here's more about, here's secret gossip, secret part kind of gossip. So Kate just fell out of her chair. I didn't, but my headphones <laughs> fell off. <laughs> okay. Um, you know, there were some Marvel people uh, in the bar, and that's a little unusual. Usually they have their own bar, but there was only one bar. But, you know, I was talking to some of them. <laughs> and, um, you know, the reason why I say I don't think 20 years ago it would have been just fine is because back 20 years ago we didn't have the internet and if you notice, I did a little poll on my Facebook page. Kate, you're not on Facebook. So I said, are you excited about Secret Empire? And the people who were are, by and large, middle-aged comics readers. Although some of them also think it's really stupid. Yeah. And then the younger readers are uniformly against it. So mm. older readers are used to the idea of the hero turning bad, and, and then everything's just fine. Yeah. But what I think is different, and, and I've come to understand this, is that you know younger readers just don't take it that way they take it uh they, the context doesn't matter you know mm -hmm. and i and i think you know that marvel just doesn't get that i think marvel thinks that that people on twitter are just posturing and acting out they don't get that these are real real yeah. reactions and very sincere and and meaningful yeah. well i mean i think it's that context does matter but not just the context of oh this is comics but the context of of just the larger world that we live in at the moment. Absolutely. Um, and I think, I think if it had been a shorter storyline, I think if it had been like three issues, people would still be a little snide about it, but would have moved on with their lives. But you know, it's they're they're devoting a year and a half to this. Like they're they're clearly buying in, and um, for their upcoming thing, their generations, they're still keeping Nick Spencer on it. Um, and I thought Generations was supposed to be their, like, cuddly fix-it. Um, well, it's, I, it's not going to be much of a fix-it if Nick Spencer's name is still on something marked America's. And, and I'm curious also, on these Generations, are these going to be ongoing? Or are these no, one shots? one shots. No, one, -shot one shots. Yeah. Uh, can we expect any impact on the uh, continuity at all? I think it's like a transition thing. Mm -hmm. Well, it you know, mm -hmm. it, just huge spoilers. All right, you guys, spoilers, spoilers, spoilers. Spoilers! Spoilers! All right, and so... Uh, What's been revealed in the uh, Secret Empire Free Comic Book Day? It's all out over the internet. If you listen to this, you probably already saw it. But is that there is a reality-altering artifact in the DC, uh, the DC, the Marvel U, called the Cosmic Cube. And the Cosmic Cube is at the root of all this. And basically, it's created several different realities. So you know what, Tom Brevoort? When you said it wasn't an imaginary story a year ago, you were lying because it is. It is It is. A, it is a two-reality sort of, well, you know... They're implying the they're implying that the world where Hydra dash Nazis won everything is the real one, right? Which, okay then, guys, and um, that ours is somehow the fix it, even though that fix it didn't wipe out the Holocaust <laughs> or the Nazis. Right, yeah. Good. So whatever. 
Um, <laughs> so that's maybe not handled as cleanly right. as it could be. Well. But I guess it's not fake because the real reality right. is the one where the Nazis own everything. Oh, right. how nice. And you know, once again, I think that's a cool idea. I think that could be, I mean, it could be potentially uh, done very well. It's interesting. It's a concept. Well, I guess heroes need something to fight. Yes, exactly. And yeah, but they're not fighting it. Yeah, but you they're know, being it. Yeah, but you know they have the uh, cosmic cube waiting in the wings that can wipe out anything they need to wipe out at the end of this. It'll be one more day, brand new day. Like you know, make the Mephisto make is going to make whatever didn't happen. You yeah, know? well, we all knew that. It's just that well, we want they're not always as good at tidying away this furniture as they think they are. And they're like, oh, yeah, we hand waved it away. And people are like, but what about this thing? That guy still remembers. And they're like, eh. And they're like, well, what about this thing? That didn't excuse what this guy did. And they're like, eh, moving on. So I think fans don't necessarily trust that it will all get completely tidied the way it should, so much as it's swept under the rug. But also I think a lot of the fan annoyance is not like that, oh, somehow it'll be broken forever. It's that you did it in the first place. Right. I, 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 that's understood. And that's totally understood. Um, I wish I had more to add to this narrative, but uh, you know, I, I some I think these two companies have become almost parodies of comic book companies. Um, <laughs> well, well, I feel like DC has dug themselves out of that parody yeah. zone they were in for a few years, uh, and well, now it's DC. It, now it's Marvel's turn to start digging. Yeah, and I mean, yeah, I, I or I stop just, digging. I I I do feel. And this is kind of my interpretation. Again, there was a lot of as they as uh, a certain competitive website is putting. There was a lot of talk in the sports bars of Chicago, uh, and uh, there's just a real feeling that that Marvel's in a bunker right now, and they really yeah. have become so defensive about all of this. And I feel personally part of the reason for this is just that they have worked under. A lot of pressure for for years from how the company is run from mm-hmm. Mike Perlmutter. You know, and I, I mean, I think I mentioned this last time. It's like, you know, David Gabriel is a VP, senior VP. He doesn't even have his own office. He shares it with what? his assistant. Yes. Tom Brevoort, the executive editor of the Marvel U, doesn't even have an office. He sits in a cubicle. Their offices are so tiny and dank that, you know, these are the... And this is just what you see walking around, mm-hmm. Okay. So I I have been told in the past, about five years ago, I was told that Marvel has to increase their sales every year, no matter what. And this is part of the reason why they double ship all their books. Mm. Okay. So if you look at, if you take that as what's happening and you look at their publishing output over the last few years, Mm. you see, this is why there's six Avengers books and six X-Men books and six Inhumans books and they all double ship and they're still $4. And I mean, like the evidence fits that narrative pretty perfectly. Yeah. And what happens if you blow up a balloon and you just keep blowing it up? Well, you have the pieces of a balloon (laughs) and you might be sitting there trying to use the balloon as a children's uh, birthday party a novelty and it won't work that well <laughs> yeah um so how old is ike perlmutter he's like 68 69 he's not that old yeah and he's a very healthy unfortunately well no i was thinking more in terms of retirement <laughs> he to somewhere never sunny retire. and never going to retire he will never retire <clears throat> well then. didn't you didn't brian hibbs write about this on the beat he did yeah he did, has, did he touch on these topics um, he didn't about... touch on my secret conspiracy theory that i just uh hmm. that i just but he did tell you like i i highly recommend if i make yeah. my own you know like um, as you should my own site well it's brian you know he's great i yeah. just took him on but one thing that he says that is really interesting is that all of these books that are coming out in the same family are actively driving away customers. And he says <laughs> a perfect good. <laughs> he says a perfect example of this is Black Panther. So when they he says that was the number one selling book in the store last year, the first mm-hmm. issue, and when Black Panther with Ta-Nehisi Coates was announced, everyone was very excited. Everyone came in and picked it up, and then all of a sudden. There was the world of Wakanda, and there was Black uh, Panther's pals and gals, and there was a whole line of Black Panther books. it's not a good thing. And he, you know, he said he could see the f- sales falling from that. And, you know, there's always standard attrition anyway, but he, he says of that numbers that he's looking at, every time they expand the 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 family, uh, it it gets the, the sales don't expand with it, you know? And I mean, and there's it's like, also some issues of quality. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Some serious issues of quality. Yeah, when you expand too fast, that happens. Yes, yes it does. Um, 
I mean, okay, when I saw this last year when Deadpool came out, I assumed it was a joke. But now I wonder if it wasn't. There was literally a month when they had, like, ten Deadpool tie-ins. Mm. Yeah, that's no and joke. And I thought that given, like, the ridiculousness of the various titles and that it's Deadpool, I thought it was like a self-conscious meta thing, but now I think they just were just trying to cash in. And you know, you can have a main book and a tie-in, but when you have all your tie-ins come out at the same time, that's the people who are the devoted Deadpool fans or the devoted Black Panther fans. Like, they don't have unlimited money. They're gonna buy one or two books. Yeah. And you know, like all those studies about how if you have too many choices, you don't buy anything, that can apply to comics too. Right. Like, I mean, I will admit, and this makes me a bad comic fan, but sometimes... <laughs> There's no shame. 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 I don't always do my research before I go to the comic store. Mm-hmm. I know what characters I like. But I don't always Shocking. remember which one's the main title. But why? And so I get in and then I just don't. I'm like, well, which is the one that actually is the main one that's like is important? And which ones are just like random spinoffs? And then I'm just like, eh, screw it. I'll wait for trade. You well, know, Kate, I that think the whole, the whole you... notion that you have to do research yes. before you to go in to buy some books that you really want to read. That alone points out a problem, it seems to me. Yeah. That's just my uh, take on it. Yeah. And, you know, you know, Dark DC has always been very successful at keeping their core audience super engaged with this meta narrative, you know, of what's going on with with all these characters, you know, with Bat Batgirl and blah blah. And I mean they're very successful at somehow doing books that are for older readers and for younger readers. Although not so much younger readers, but now hmm. yes. And you know, Marvel has always been one size fits all. But uh, I'll tell you the bottom line. Just based on, on what I was hearing from retailers, is everybody would love to love Marvel, you know. Yeah. But they do. In order to be loved, at some point you have to say I was wrong, or you know what we messed up. And I think that's what they were trying to do with that ICV do piece. And instead, <laughs> they just made it worse. They just made it worse. <laughs> Well, I mean, here's something completely anecdotal, but I don't think I've ever mentioned it on this podcast, but I noticed this trend. Previous to uh, Hydra Cap, from about the time when the second Captain America movie came out, I have seen an increasing number of people walking around with Captain America symbol t-shirts, like in the wild, in the real world, not in a comic book store, not a convention, lots and lots and lots of Captain America t-shirts. Everybody loves Cap. I have seen fewer on people in public since Hydra Cap. I just have. I think yeah. I think it's hurting their t-shirt sales. <laughs> uh, Along with everything else. Uh, yeah, you know, like like I wonder when DC merchandising. I wonder when Disney merchandising is going to come knocking on their door and going, you know, we're just not selling these dolls the way we used to. Could you could you fix that? Right, and you know, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy bo- Volume Two mm-hmm. is coming out next Friday. I think yes! in the past, right? And in yeah. the past, I think they could depend on uh, a much loved movie coming out, and then everybody being hurrah, Marvel is great again. But um, you know, if you look at the cover to Secret Empire, you know, Rocket's on there, and he looks like a rabid little raccoon, not like a friendly little animal that we all know and love. And you know what? That's not what people want. They don't want a rabid animal where once they had a, a feisty, but but a gruff, yeah. but much loved. Well, I yeah. I would say actually Marvel is lucking out with the fact that the Marvel movie scheduled to start the summer is Guardians of the Galaxy, which is not tied in at the moment right. yet yeah. to the Avengers or any of this world that's affected by things going on so i think they will get better sales than they would have movie seats wise if they had say planned a captain america movie for this summer yeah. right yeah yeah well i'd be curious to know the rest of uh, the the consumer side of the uh, c2e2 I yes mean, re- record number of fran- fans well there was a record number there was eighty thousand. now mm-hmm. kelvin you went to the very first c2e2 yeah right? yeah yes um, yeah well uh, yeah yeah I, how old is it i, I can't well, even remember I think when it was, was 20 
Something like that. So it's all right. So it's getting close to a decade. But yeah, yeah, I went to the very first one, uh, which was held in an old hall. We we called that the Flowers of the Attic Hall. Yeah, that's well. It was it was actually a great place because it has natural life. It was right out on the lake. Um, it, it seemed like it was actually in the middle of the lake almost. Yes, it was great. Um, you'd go out and you'd stand on the shores of the lake and yeah, look out yeah. moodily. Uh, but but, but apparently horizon. it was ecologically and, um, and ener- energy-wise and conservation-wise like a complete and utter like monster throwback. <laughs> and it's like apparently there was no way you could actually – I mean the setting is perfect. The building has natural night, but everything else about it, the infrastructure there – um, is expensive to hold and, and use. It's just not good. Uh, so I don't know what it's like in McCormick Place, but I do know what McCormick Place is like. Well, uh, yes. I mean, you were at Book Expo there sure. last year, right? Sure. And, and uh, well, which, I, which side was it on? Cause it that, was on the south you, they, side. So as you yeah. walk in, it was on that big hall that's on your oh. right. So that's the okay. biggest. Yeah, okay. uh, the, mm-hmm. What are the bigger halls there? In the main, because yeah. they, they created a whole new exhibition area. That's right, across, the west. There used to well, be a parking lot. There was an experimental biologist convention going on there. Uh, Ah. And sadly, the comics writers, the experimental biologists, never got to really mingle. Seems like was, a couple of storylines just really waiting great. to happen. Yeah. Um, you know, I was talking to Mike Armstrong, who's who's one of the main main men there for C2E2 before the show began, and he pointed out C2E2 is the one con that will never sell out. It can never because end. McCormick Place is it's so big, so big <laughs> that it could just grow and grow. If you need to make it bigger, it can grow and grow. And you know, it could be. Uh, a premiere type show. I think um, Chicago costs and Teamster costs are probably yeah. pretty high, so that's probably mitigates against it. You know, the show is great. Um, a lot of publishers are there. IDW, I mean, was back. Dark Horse, Boom, Boom wasn't there. Lion Forge was there. Aftershock yeah, yeah. was there. Valiant, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, Marvel had their booth set up um, with Secret Empire front and center because double down, double yep, down, yep, yep. double down. Uh, and um, there was a lot of, of of traditional book publishers. First, second was there, yeah, and mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. Gallery Thirteen, mm-hmm. and so it's really Launching, wide, yeah, yeah wide books, ranging. Yeah. Quirk Books is there. Mm-hmm. Uh, it um, was quite diverse and vibrant. So I just don't. And Artist Alley, they had a huge Artist Alley. I think maybe to make up for the fact that New York Artist Alley is going to be small and and sucky this year. So uh, well, and actually, an, an aspect of your your story, your report, it actually got did not make it in. Uh, Spike Trotman, Chicago born. Right. Uh, and uh, headquarters uh, was sort of a kind of a featured exhibitor there. Well, she had a really she great booth. Yeah, and uh, they, they basically take care of their own. right. Well, she but but you know this is this is there's so much comp- see there's so much competition now not only for fans but for professionals mm-hmm. you know and I mean they're, there's they're just going to go to shows that really work for them. But so Spice it's, went the first year right. and had a sucky time. And then she wasn't shy about saying it on social media because she does. Mm-hmm. And so, fi- and why should she not? Right, right, exactly. Uh, she got nothing to lose. And then finally, after all these years, someone reached out and said, "Look, do you want a booth? You know, we'll give you a great deal on it. Please come back." And she did. And uh, but she told me I I talked to her at the end of Sunday, and she said she still wasn't sure whether she would come back or not. You know, she well, had done well, but not so well yeah. that it justified all well, the. One of the things hassles. you point out in your piece is there's a lot of shows yes. in March and April. Yeah, and they're really big shows. Right, and you really got to make you know professionals got to really got to make a choice. Where am I going? That's right. That's right. And publishers as well. I mean, I mean, yes, it's yeah. not that easy for. Uh, even say a well, you know, Valiant goes everywhere. You know, Image was set up there. Actually, mm-hmm. they go. They've got a couple years. Um, my personal feeling is that I think C two E two can be a really amazing show and should be one of the top shows. And it's because Chicago is a huge market. Yep. 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 Um, and it draws from all over the Midwest, and it can, like I said, it can never get too crowded. It can yeah, never it run can out never. of room. You're never going to sell out of tickets. So, <laughs> no. so it's the one show that anyone can go to. Uh, and, um, you know, I hope I, you know, Mike Armstrong had very optimistic things to say at the end, like he thought maybe this was a breakthrough year, and and I would say I hope it is. I mean, mm. I would like to go to Chicago every year. I'd like it to be like, I have to go to Chicago every yeah. year. I mean, that sounds fun. <laughs> um, but then at the end of the show, it was revealed that Jim DeMonicus was leaving Reboot. Oh. 
So, uh, so that's interesting. That and is, this is the founder of Emerald City Con. Uh, Reedpop bought yes. that yes. Uh, a year or two ago, or two or three years ago. I can't yeah, I, exactly. I would, I would definitely call him uh-huh. a beloved figure yeah. in the industry. Mm-hmm. I mean, he certainly uh, knows everyone, knows mm-hmm. everything. And, and he said he doesn't have another job. He's going to take some time, move back to Seattle. And I would not be surprised to see him end up at Oni or... Um, yeah. I mean, he already worked at Image, something a lot of people forget. So probably not Image, but... Um, well, it depends on what terms he left under. Yes. Well, yeah. I don't think too many people leave under awesome terms. Yeah, but. Well, <laughs> uh, well I, I would mention very quickly that uh, in addition to um, Heidi's uh, C2E2 report at publishersweekly.com slash comics, we also have um, uh, a manga report from Bridget Alverson, manga... Uh, seem to have a much bigger presence yes, at absolutely. C2E2 this year. Absolutely. Um, the, we, her manga piece went out today, Viz, uh, Tokyo Pop was there, uh, Kadancha. Uh, there's a mix of classic reprints and new titles that the publishers are, are putting out. And um, also, uh, Bridget also wrote a kids roundup uh, of, of C2ET, and she talked a little bit about the IDW offerings. Uh, Lion's Forge, of course, has Roar and Cup House. Uh, which we've mentioned before, but I think they're starting to roll out some of the titles. Um, and uh, Bill Willingham was there uh, with a new book he's working on, Lark's Killer. Um, first Comics Devils Do is publishing it. It's an all-ages book, um, but um, they're pitching it, obviously, first to the kids' market uh, with the possibility, of course, that it'll, it's, it's something there for older readers right. as well. Right. Well, let's dig down a little bit more on IDW. I know Heidi... Uh, you said you spoke with someone at IDW. I, yes, I had the chance to talk to Greg Goldstein, the president and chief operating officer of IDW, and we had an amazing chat for about 20 minutes uh, that my phone sent into the negative zone, <laughs> and I tried for a couple of days to reconnect it, to reconstruct this. And General Zod is reading it, it right Zod now. General <laughs> Zod is really enjoying. But, you know, I, I, I mean, I can touch on what Greg talked about because uh, IDW really is kind of the model of what a comics publisher could be right now, I yeah. think. I mean, they're very successful. Um, you know, obviously, they have the Shelley Bond, Black Crown yes, imprint coming. Mm-hmm. that shows a lot of mm-hmm. support for creator-owned comics. And uh, Greg was telling me that they've, they've, they've looked at doing it for quite a while. And, you know, when Shelley came to them and said who this is who she wanted to work with, they were like, this is mm-hmm. the time. Um, they've put out 75 books by Craig Yo. I mean, he's been a guest of the yeah. show. We talk about this all the time. Yes. but. Uh, you know, that continues. The Eurocomics line. Classic Library yeah. of American mm-hmm. Comics continues from Dean Mullaney. Yep. Uh, the Artist Editions with Scott Dunbeer. And one of the oh, things Greg and great. I mm-hmm. were joking about is that there needs to be a reality show about Scott because he really is the detective as he tracks down all this art. You yeah. know? And uh, they have a Kirby Fantastic Four edition coming out. It's not the complete stories, but it's as much art as Scott could, Detective Dunbeer could find, put together (laughs) in that oversized edition. I love it. Um, And And they just seem to be actively looking to expand our conception of what comics publishing can be. They are, and of course their TV adventure, which was a real dice roll for them, has been very successful. You know, Winona Earp has been picked Mm -hmm. up for a second season, and you know, it's kind of got this little fan following now. It's kind of got a little cult following. It is not a bad show. Yeah, cool. Kate has... So, Kate has spoken. Do you, do you watch it, Kate? Or? <laughs> uh, occasionally. Time. But I don't disapprove <laughs> I haven't watched it, but I would you know, like, like there are a lot of, there's a lot of There's a lot of TV out there that right. I don't watch because you can only watch so much TV in a day. Right. Um, but I, it's one of those shows where if there weren't 47 million other shows out there, I might watch it. Right. Um, but there's something else very interesting from IDW, which is that, and speaking of Marvel at all ages, that IDW is actually doing kids comics now, or well, they're signed to do kids right. comics now for Star Wars, which is owned mm-hmm. by Disney, which also owns Marvel, for DuckTales, which is Disney, and for Tangle. Mm-hmm. So it's IDW doing that, not Marvel. And this is especially something to pick, prick up your ears at, because back... When Disney bought Marvel, Disney had contracted out very similar licenses to Boom. And right. they weren't unsatisfied with Boom, but they are like, hey, we've got Marvel, so we're going to go with Marvel. But now, they seem to be going back to the well of um, giving their kids' properties somebody else. Well, if you notice, 
I don't think Marvel ever published any of those kids' books, those kids' Disney comics. I think they pulled the license from Boom. Now, IDW's been publishing DuckTales for a while. They've been doing, like, Walt Disney Comics and Stories mm-hmm. for a while. Um, for about a year, I think, or maybe two years. So, IDW certainly has a relationship with Disney. Um, I did talk to Greg about this in this now the Great Lost podcast. <laughs> the Little Lost podcast. It's so bad. There's like two, three really bad things I did in this trip, and that was one of them. The other two, I'm not going to talk about. Okay. But um, <laughs> uh, you know, IDW has great uh relationships with their licensors. You know what Hasbro? They have uh, traditional. You know, Hasbro now bases storylines yeah. and toys on the comics. So you know they have a great mm. relationship. Yeah. So, so Kate- and there's a bunch of comics coming out. They have a whole new right first yeah. strike that's going to be like all of it in one right, coming out in right. the comic. And yeah. uh, so Kate, you are absolutely right mm-hmm. though. That is very interesting. It's especially interesting because they're doing. A, the Star Wars yes. kids comics mm-hmm. yes. and Marvel has had its name all over Star Wars yes. for the last two years so this is kind of like okay that's yes. interesting indeed indeed um, and uh, one other thing from Mighty W that was actually their big news at the show and I think it is pretty huge is that an adaptation of Lock and Key their premier uh-huh. title by Joe Hill and Gabriel Rodriguez is coming to television it's going to be on Hulu they signed a deal uh, Carlton Cuse is going to be the showrunner with Joe Hill uh, writing the pilot or cool. the first episode and uh, you know Cuse is the guy behind the good part of Lost um, Bates Motel he just finished his run on and of course there, my, there's a good part of yes, Lost yes my most it. beloved uh, the adventures of Briscoe County Jr. so this guy's TV royalty and uh, him being attached to Lock and Key is very exciting so um, so I hope I've done some justice to all the great things that Greg told me about because IDW does have a, a very super strong line right now Yeah. and, and speaking of, of things that you may know from talking to people when I was sniffing around online, as someone who did not go to C2E2, I saw that DC is quote-unquote planning to expand the marketplace. Oh, yes. But I never really picked up any details of what that might entail. Well, that Have was, you? Well, that was Dan sort of priming the pump, Dan DiDio mm. priming the pump a little bit. And he's like, you know, I don't know what I'm supposed to say with front of publicity. But, you know, obviously he was... He getting was, people well, interested yeah like you know the last night of the show uh like sunday the show ended and instead of staying at another hotel uh trapped at uh the convention center i went and visited friends and they have a five-year-old daughter and uh this little child could not be more into dc superhero girls oh, I, oh boy she is dressed oh my goodness as the superheroes she is obsessed with the superheroes she had the poster and i asked her who was her favorite and she knew everything all there, about them that has been one of the most incredible initiatives absolute genius who knew you could sell dolls to girls i know right <laughs> isn't that crazy Kate? i mean wow this is just like next level marketing there you go it's like there was a need where none existed yeah. before <laughs> but you, on that same note since we're, we're, since we're back to dc for a second i'm curious about the dc digital platform well there have been rumors yeah. that they've been shopping it to amazon and amazon might be interested Hmm. We don't know if it will end up something like Anime Strike or yeah. The Great Courses Special Edition or whatever, yeah. like one of those many add-on channels on Amazon, yeah. or whether discussed? it'll be a standalone platform. Yeah. Oh, no, we've, we've this, discussed the possibility. Mean, it's, I mean, it's was, come had, up. Did, um, did they talk about it at C2E2? No, they no. didn't. Not, yeah. not when I was around. Yeah. Uh, no. I think they announced that on Monday. Yeah. So, so uh, you know. But they, it is going to definitely happen, either standalone or mixed it. You know, through right. someone else, and they are bringing out the live-action Titans, which had been shelved, yeah. mm-hmm. right, as part of it. Yeah, I I think that you know Dan hit strongly that this would be something that was more along the lines of some of the you know the D word diversity, mm-hmm. uh, imprints that they had, and I think with DC Superhero Girls as a you know stunning model, uh. I would just be guessing that they might be doing more things for young readers because that does seem mm-hmm. to be a real growth market yeah. right now. So, and, and everything that's, you know, Capstone does those books. Um, sure. There's a lot of licenses. And, and why wouldn't you want well, to well, make comics for your next generation of readers? Well, you know, there's one person <laughs> in, in comics who is very fond of telling me that perhaps a past executive at DC, when... Uh, he was told that Diamond was trying to sell kids graphic novels. Actually, grew perturbed and said, "Why are you wasting time on that?" 
So, you know, times change. Yeah. Well, speaking of signs that time changes, uh, Young Justice, which famously, a, a great cartoon that famously got shut down because too many girls liked it, is now being revived and um, the new season will be coming out on this platform. That's right. Oh, cool. That's right. So, uh, cool. so yeah. Cool. So there's the there's the thing. I wish you guys could have been there so you could have, uh, you know, seen some of the maj- majesty for yourself, eaten some of the hot dogs. Uh, <laughs> well, what I'm really concerned about was whether you got to Wrigley Field. Well, I certainly did. I All right. Was, I flew out early. Very good. Uh, despite going to the wrong airport, that was one of the two bad, oh, other bad fun. things that I did. But okay. luckily, LaGuardia's on the way to JFK, so it all <laughs> you know worked what? out. I've just done well. it, Heidi. I've done it too. Have you? I went to the wrong yeah. airport, and I had to frantically hop in a cab. Yeah. And get to the right airport. Yes. Well, so, like yes. I said, it's kind of on the way. It was early in the morning. Been there. Everything worked out. And I was, luckily, I, I was uh, surprised at my own planning because, you know, I fly Delta. Now I don't fly United because they killed the rabbit. So that's even worse. I but um, ever fly. But it. I fly Delta. And uh, at the Delta Terminal, Terminal 4 at JFK, they have the, the Shake Shack with the breakfast sandwich. Yeah. It's amazing. You know, so anyway, I flew early. Good. I dropped off my stuff and I headed straight out to the ballpark. Go. I got to go to Wrigley Field and uh, I actually met up with a few old friends there and um, it was pretty amazing and ice cold. So, right. um, but it was wonderful. All right. So, um, are we hitting the news briefs? Or? We're now hitting yeah. the briefs. All right. <laughs> so, there has been news places other than C2E2 as well. Um, in our global picture, Warner Brothers has released pictures of their upcoming, coming in 2018, Warner Brothers World in <laughs> Abu Dhabi. Abu Dhabi. And there, it, it's beautiful. It's got Gotham. It's got Metropolis. It looks amazing. And it's in Abu Dhabi. Um, now, I know they've got some rights tied up with Six Flags, but guys, Canada exists. Please, <laughs> give us Warner Brothers World somewhere we can actually get to it. Thank you. Um, and now to Japan, uh, famed mangaka who's won a million awards, Naoki Urasawa of, of Monster and Pluto and many movies. Oh, one of my favorite living cartoonists, probably top five. Mm-hmm. He now has his own radio show. Oh, konnichiwa. Unfortunately, we don't speak Japanese, oh. but for those listeners who do. He has a weekly radio show where it's like a buddy show with him and a comedian called Junji and Naoki, and it's on every week, and like he talks about comics and what's on his mind lately. It's supposed to be very funny. It um, So if you speak Japanese, go hunt it down. Check it out. But for things in English, um, Japanese organizing guru Marie Kondo of the KonMari uh, organization method, author of The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up, is now her new thing is she's coming out with a manga which fictionalizes the magical things tidying up can do for your life called The Life-Changing Manga of Tidying Up, <laughs> in which um, she, Marie Kondo, stars as like the organizing fairy godmother to a female neighbor of hers who is fictional. And it's all about how this person's life is improved by Marie Kondo showing her how to tidy up. Right. And it's coming out in English. Yes, it is. To a bookstore near you. Uh, Yeah, I had to, uh, actually, uh, coincidentally, I was talking with the editor. It's going to be published by, in English, by uh, 10 Speed Press. And um, I was able to talk with uh, Lisa Westmoreland, the editor of the book. Um, uh, obviously, um, uh, the book was published earlier in, in Japan, I believe in February. Um, and this was something apparently that Marie Kondo, or Con Marie, as her fans uh, have known, come to know her. Uh, she was very excited to do this. Apparently, her editor at Sunmark, her previous Japanese publisher, is also a big manga fan. But... Uh, they're doing it. They're kind of doing this manga old school. So it's going to be flipped. So it's going to read from left to right. Um, they've taken the Japanese uh, sound effects out. They're putting English language subtext, uh, um, English language uh, sound effects in. Um, but they are expecting this book to fly off the shelves. It's probably going to come up with about a 50,000 copy first printing. She's going to be doing 
personal appearances here. They tell me she's going to be at San Diego and she'll be at New York Comic Con. Wow. Um, wow. And I think she's she's done um I think she's done some kind of um TV show, the Rachel Ray show. I think she's done a thing that's going not going to be shown until uh, May 16th. And uh, they're going to, you know, you'll see the book on that show as well. Well, you know, probably they're doing it old school because they're trying to hit people who don't usually read manga who really love tidying up. Exactly. They really want to reach, you know, as they put it to me, standard American readers who may not either read comics or certainly don't read manga right to left. So they really want to, uh, you know, obviously they want to get as much of this market well it's also the, the idea of applied cartooning that uh you know cartooning is a great way to convey information yes, and, yes. Too. and you know and also at the book that becomes something that gives you joy and yes and that's what it's about so i mean the whole point right because the whole point of the book is you know if you look at something and you say does this give yes. me joy and if you're like me every single damn thing gives you joy yeah. so you never throw <laughs> anything yeah, out that can be a problem but yeah it I is a very it. interesting uh, illustrated case study of the uh, of the condo method, yes, absolutely. <laughs> um, and I will speaking study of things coming here from Japan, um, we are benefiting here, good list, good English language listeners, with the software that has been created for the manga edition of the Kindle. Now, a year ago, if you listened to our program back then, listeners. Uh, they came out with, for Japanese market only, a very special manga edition of the Kindle, which was optimized for reading comics. Now, uh, the things they've pioneered in that will be coming to regular American Kindles on your new software update. And you, too, will be able to turn your pages with lightning speed. There you go. All right. There you go. All right. Exciting. All right. Well, we're just getting uh, <laughs> getting started. Calvin, we're heading off to TCAF in a couple weeks. Yes, I got get. You're making me all tingly all uh-huh. over. Uh, we love TCAF and can't wait to get there. I think I'm moderating one panel um, with um, Ngozi uh, Ukazu. Nice. Yes. Yes, I, I met. I met wow. her. I met I need her. To check. Me too. I was told I was doing that. You know, I hope I haven't given up false advertising. No, no. They put the programming up. It's correct. But I haven't checked. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, no, I meant. I thought you were asking if you got her name. No, right. I was. Ma- I want to make sure. I I put in a request for it, and uh, I got a brick saying that I would. I I got it, but I haven't looked at the official. Mm. I just heard a verbal. Yeah. You know, an informal. Things can thing. fall through. So right. so hopefully I'm still right, and because they put they posted the things, I just haven't looked at it yet. And dear listeners, Ngozi Ukazu is the creator of the beloved online yes. comic Check Please. Yes. Um, if you go back in our archives. I have an interview with her. Yes, and a fa- yes, a fabulous yes, I, interview. Yes, I, which I mentioned when I met her yes. at CT2. I mentioned that we had done a podcast and that it was one of our most highest Absolutely. listened to podcasts ever, and she was very happy to hear that. Yes, no, she's she's. Uh, I, I met her at SBX a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. and she is absolutely delightful. So I'm looking forward to uh, indeed to talking with her some more. Okay, and on that note, there will be more to come.